Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. Today is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning at verse 16. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am compelled to preach this morning. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. We pray. Spirit of God, by your mighty resurrection power, present and active, and whenever your word is proclaimed, the gospel's proclaimed, do that. Be with us now. Change us even more to your gospel people. In the name of Christ. Amen. Friends, what compels you? It's an insightful question. What compels you this morning? What is absolutely non-negotiable for you in life, at work, at school, in your relationships, family, society, citizen, Australian, immigrant? What is non-negotiable for you? What did your mum and dad teach you? What did your upbringing form you in? What is non-negotiable? We probably all have things that are, we believe should be non-negotiable, but whether or not we always do them, keep them, keep them non-negotiable, that's, a, that's, another, that's another thing. I'm thinking of food, and wine and weight and uh, exercise and all those things that should be non-negotiable. It's funny how they get very negotiable, don't they? Anyway... That's another thing. So what compels you and how do you tell what actually compels you? What drives your life? Well, maybe, I don't know, I thought of it this way. What if the principal of your school, there's one here this morning, uh, what if your partner in life, what if your mum or your dad or one of your kids or your most trusted and respected buddy said, no, you cannot do that. You can't believe that. You can't say that. You can't be that. And you would just have to respond with what? I have to. 
I have to say that, I have to believe that, I have to do that, I have to be like that, I have to trust that I am compelled. It's non-negotiable. Sorry, mate, I'm sorry. It's non-negotiable. For me, there are a few non-negotiable things I could think of. When we were young, with young kids in the car, or when you go walking on a bush track in a beautiful national park, what really cheeses me off is empty drink containers along the track or along the side of the road. You can't throw your bottle out the window, kids. It's just not cricket. And you can't leave your rubbish at the National Park track. It's not on. Why is that? Because God gave us this planet and we should look after it. Maybe that's the non-negotiable. You just cannot ride, I'm looking at Russell here, you just cannot ride anything except a Triumph motorcycle. But I can't think of any good reason for that. So we'll leave that one there. Uh, you can't say anything bad about bald people, can they? No, they can't say anything about bad, especially if they're red-headed and they're over 50. Now, why is this? Because everybody counts. Everybody's important. Everyone needs encouragement. That's the driver. But there's more serious things. A parent's fierce protection of their child, non-negotiable. A man of the land's protection and care for his land non-negotiable. Your fierce loyalty to your team, whether it's the wrong team or the right team, that's another thing. Your family, your name, your home, your country, Australia, your friends. Non-negotiable, compelled to defend, to speak well of, to lift up, to build up. Paul says he is compelled, as you heard, which Tony read so well, he says because the Corinthian congregation seemed to have hmm, replaced Paul with some other things and some other beliefs and some other, some other news. He has to defend himself in the letter to the Corinthians and he does so in this chapter. They seem to think that Paul is just fake news now. Or that more importantly, he's in this for himself. He's feathering his own nest by being an apostle, a preacher of the gospel. So Paul defends himself, and not just himself, but also Barnabas, who's obviously with him. He's talked about the freedom of the gospel we talked about last week. He is completely free, and he's also bound. We are always like that. We are bound together in love. We owe each other only one debt, the debt of love, self-sacrificing love, as we have received from God. So now he goes on to speak about his apostleship, being a sent one, apostolos, apostle, sent one, and he's never placed any burdens on them and demanded they pay him for his preaching of the gospel. He's always looked after his own needs in a tent-making business, obviously. So he's not beholden to them financially or in any other way except under the law of love. He is beholden to them as brothers and sisters in Christ and they to him. So he says, why do I do what I do and of no benefit to myself? Why do I do that? Why do you do that? Why do you do anything that is of no benefit to you? Because I am compelled to do so. He is compelled. There is something that drives his life. He just has to do this no matter what they say or what they do to him, and they do plenty. He has to do this above all other things. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So like a grape grower... Enjoying the vintage harvest, a woman bearing down in labour, a small business owner doing the end-of-year tax, this just has to happen. 
There's no ifs or buts. It's non-negotiable. It compels. Not surprising when you remember Paul, who was Saul. Do you remember that? Remember all that stuff about him? Fiercely committed man to the cause of the Jewish community. So much so, an angry man bent on destroying this first community of the gospel, you remember. Angry, even violent. Remember, he held their coats when they stoned Stephen outside the city gate, the first martyr of the Christian church. There he was. And then Jesus, I don't know why, reached out to this violent, angry man on that road to Damascus, you remember, and called him of all people to be a good news man of love for the rest of his life, particularly to the non-Jewish world. So no wonder Paul just has to say it for at least two reasons, and I wonder whether these are your reasons. From his own experience, he knows the grace of God. And two, he has a direct call on his life to do it. Is that you? It should be. I think it is, actually. Okay, pastor, we get it. You're saying that we should be like Paul in his non-negotiable proclaiming of the gospel in our lives. Well, yeah, I think I am. But here's the truth. I am not always compelled by the gospel. That's the truth. In fact, I often spend my time proclaiming a lot of other things, maybe even other gods in whom I trust to give me what only the gospel can give. They compel me more at the time. What might you and I proclaim more loudly than the gospel of Jesus, God's grace? Well, it could be lots and lots of things. I've thought of a few. Financial security and a very comfortable life. I wonder whether we spend a fair bit of time proclaiming that message. A good name that says that if we're not as good as the next person, we're probably just that little bit better. You know, probably. Because we're winners, you know. We're not losers. We're the strong, not the weak. We're the right, never the wrong. Health and well-being as I want it, which is achieved by two things, probably the avoidance of all opposition and the escape from any suffering at any price. Well, one more I thought of, my self-determination, my right to self-determination without any responsibility for others, especially those I don't like or I don't understand or I think don't deserve it. Guilt-free living, they say. Living for myself. I am not my brother's keeper. At least, at least some brothers I'm not interested. Well, can you see that I can easily use my freedom in Christ to speak about just about anything else than the gospel or more than the gospel and they will become non-negotiable and in fact, what happens... What becomes negotiable? The gospel disappears somewhere. The problem, of course, if you read Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says if we do this, we come up short all the time. He says that if we let anything other than his life, his hope, his promises, his words, 
His love drive us, compel us, spring out of us like living water, says John. We have our reward in full. Remember those words that he said? We have our reward in full. There is no more. You want to go for the quick fix and the easy thing? Then you'll get it. But that's it. There is no more. And in the end, who's left? Well, it's just little old you. It's all you. So, Paul has to speak more. Why? Because he's received more. He knows more. He understands more. He loves more. He's been loved by more. He has to speak it. He knows to the bottom of his soul that someone else was compelled to come and get him and find him and patch him up and heal him and restore him to the man that he always was called to be. Someone was compelled to come and get him in his arrogance and his anger and his mistrust and his self-importance. And he didn't do this to condemn Paul, but to love Paul. Same saviour, same people of God. The same saviour, friend, this morning is compelled to love you, to grace you, to embrace you. His words, his life, his rugged cross, his bleeding body, his rising light, his wonderful gifts of grace, his presence now tells you that he is compelled to get you, to restore you, to renew you, to love you. So, what do you do about that? I think we proclaim him. How can we not? I think angry man, sad woman, frightened child, broken heart, lost soul, empty spirit, proud man, right woman, popular young person but dying inside. He is compelled to love you and he's called you to turn you into a person of good gifts, good grace, God-given go, if you like. So go ahead, friend. Speak him with words and without. Not boasting, though, as Paul says, Not seeking any self-congratulation or accolade for sure. No, just serving, giving, trusting him, taking him at his word. Harder than it looks, you know, taking him at his word. Does he really forgive me for that? Does he? Being his witness to the weak and the strong, the proud and the timid, the well-heeled and the damaged and the disenfranchised, in your sphere, they are there. You know it. This community needs your voice, needs my voice, needs our voice. They don't think so, do they? (laughs) In fact, less and less they think they need to hear our voice. But God says, the Lord of the church says, the community needs to hear our voice, even if they don't want to receive it immediately. Maybe if they get cranky with us, they still need to hear the voice of the Saviour somewhere from some community somewhere. Some community of graced people needs to give everything to the task. And pay whatever the cost to get the message out in word and deed. People's lives depend on it. They really do. And not just heaven and hell stuff, but marriage and family and forgiveness and healing and wholeness. People's lives count on us. So what compels you, friend, after all this? Really, what compels you? Why do you do what you do? Why don't you do those things and do these things? What compels you? And if it's not the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ given to you at your baptism and every day since, 
then it's really only about you in the end and there's nothing else. I'm going to tell you that he loves you beyond all limits. He is crucified and you are raised. He is sin and you are free. He is lost and you are found and you belong and you are called. This is how Paul says it to the Colossians to finish off. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is the bit. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Oh Jesus, give us the energy to strenuously contend for the love and hope of Jesus where we live. Amen. And the peace of God, which is beyond our human manufacture, keep us in the gospel that we proclaim. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au